Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, 10 volumes, available in paperback and ebook at Amazon. And if you're an audiophile, nine of the ten, and eventually ten of the ten, <laughs> are available at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. So please partake of some of these books. You will thoroughly enjoy them. And now, may I introduce you to my blood brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Marvelous. You know, uh, came home from work late last night, and I was sitting down having a little cheese and crackers, uh, watching uh, uh, the Oak Island, you know, uh, treasure hunt, and all of a sudden my phone lights up, and I'm like, well, I could be anybody. A lot of people call me late at night, and I jump out of the chair and go over there, and it was Bobo. Oh, how cool is that? (laughs) Very cool. I see my phone light up. It says James Fay, and I knew it was Bobo. And uh, we were on the phone. Jeez, I don't know. (laughs) We were on the phone for close to an hour and a half. Uh, He's just a real decent bloke. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, and I'm a pretty good judge of character, and he's definitely a character. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, you're definitely a character, too. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we're trying to hook up. Uh, I think we're going to pull something off uh, Tuesday to do a little podcast together with uh, him and uh, me and Cliff. Awesome. And uh, that's our plan, so... I'll, I'll let you know when it happens, and uh, people can tune it in and hear uh, three jive turkeys kicking around if hairy man. <laughs> that is super cool, though. <laughs> super cool. Yeah, I really like Bobo. You know, it just uh, you know, it's like my friend Phil, Jonathan, all these guys, Mike, uh, Rich, Rick. You know, you, I could sit around and talk to these guys for hours. Uh, and just a real decent fella, you know, and of course we got the topic of Bigfoot to kick around, you know, so it's easy, you know, he's not a pretentious character, you know what I mean? No, very cool. That is awesome. Yeah. So really good. 
So I'm and folks, you know, Bill, I've been coughing and sick for various times when we've been recording lately. Yeah. Uh-huh. Today I don't have a voice, but it was because I was at my second home game of the Carolina Hurricanes cheering them on last night. So. And uh, who won that game? The Carolina Hurricanes beat the <laughs> New York Islanders to lead the series. Two games to zero. Did you call up uh, Eddie and little Eddie and rub I it in? I didn't have the heart. Like, they're down 2 nothing. <laughs> they flew all the way here to see one of the last home games of the season of the Hurricanes versus the Islanders, and the Islanders lost them, too. Uh, well, I'm not mean, you know. I'm just creepy. <laughs> Yeah, you should have called him up anyway and said, are you aware of the final score this evening? <laughs> <laughs> I had some Islander fans sitting behind me that were getting on my back, so every time uh, the Canes scored, I gave him a little gumption. <laughs> <laughs> the Islanders actually scored on themselves last night, so I turned around and it was after they had a bunch of cheap plays, and I was like... You know what they call that? He's like, what? I'm like, a karma goal. (laughs) How do you score on yourself? Somebody accidentally flipped it in? Yeah, like the puck was up in the air, and uh, one of the Islanders took a whack at it, and it blew by the goalie. Oh, boy, that is the worst. I liked it. Yeah. (laughs) I liked it. But by the way, switching subjects. Yeah, yeah. Back to cryptids. When you were talking about last night, I thought you were going to talk about the premiere of Skinwalker Ranch. Well, I watched the premiere Tuesday night, but both of the shows record on Tuesday. Yeah. So I watched Skinwalker, and then last night I caught up with the latest of... Oh, uh, okay. So you watched them out of order a little bit. That's right. You know, but uh, that Skinwalker, Kev... Unbelievable. They had like the whole season in one episode last uh, when I watched it two nights ago. Yeah. Just like ridiculous activity going on there. And how about the whole thing that Travis, our favorite rocket scientist, turns out that he was the chief scientist of the UAP task force. During the filming of this show for a few years, but he couldn't tell anybody. Right. He he divulged it, of course, last night for those who... Uh, yeah, because he's nights off ago. the payroll. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Travis, uh, PhD, uh, doctor, uh, has been the lead scientist at the Skinwalker Ranch uh, facility for the past... What is it now? Two seasons, Kev, or three? No, I think it's... At least three. So this would be four. Right. This is four, I think. And uh, the way they come off with it is nobody really knew he had an involvement. Uh, would it, what would it be? The DOD? Uh, yeah, I don't know who runs that, but somebody. Yeah. And anyways, he was the lead scientist for this UAP project they were running. And he was doing the show, uh, The Search for Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. And uh, gangbusters job the team does with their uh, scientific uh, endeavors on the property. Uh, I don't know how you could do much more and you know, you know keep it organized and uh, tweaked. <laughs> than no, that. I mean it started off a little goofy, right? But it it got serious in a hurry. 
Yeah, and that helicopter being buffeted around in that zone. Oh my goodness. I liked I liked what the pilot said because he's obviously a straight shooter. He said that the helicopter was not only being buffeted uh left and right, but fore and aft as well. Yeah. And he said there was no reason uh based on the prevailing wind conditions or lack thereof that such a thing would happen. And his indicators on the helicopter were showing changing winds from north, south, east, and west, varying between 30 knots and 5 knots. Yeah, now I'm going to bring up something, so no doubt about it, wild stuff. Mm -hmm. And folks, they're doing the LIDAR recording from the helicopter, if you haven't seen this with the same guy that did the other LIDAR recording from the drones and saw the like these towers showing up uh, on the scan, rising out of the ground, especially rising out of the ground where that spiral, um, you know, indigenous people's monument is that's supposed to be a monument to a portal right. that they discovered. That's right. A spiral object coming up out of the ground there. Well, same area. They see stuff on the LIDAR on the helicopter. Yeah, incredible. So really, and low, low altitude, like 300 feet. Right. And by, but Bill, yeah, I got a go controversial one for you to think about here. Go ahead. So you saw, like, they go through this, folks, for the whole episode. And then at the end, they're talking to the guy who compiles all the data. Same guy that was in the helicopter and blown away by seeing everything on the scan. Mm -hmm. The guy who's in charge of the LIDAR. And he's like, well, I talked to the experts and they said it might be like uh, uh, the thing we see might be actually the skid on the helicopter or my foot below me. Uh-huh. Right? Like yeah. a trace. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, so, so here's the controversy, relative controversy. I'm like, Bill, what do you think? Like, that seems ridiculous. Either they're totally incompetent and they really are suckering us along, you know, and then say, oh, we made a mistake at the end, right? Uh-huh. Or, like, they start to show the stuff and somebody says, well, we can't really show that as being absolute. Because that would mean, like, what the hell is going on out there? <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like... Maybe it's like if they found a body of a Bigfoot, they'd be like, oh, well, we can't really say we found a body of a Bigfoot. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm uncertain, but, you know, I can uh, eat the chicken and spit out the bones with any of this stuff, you know, <laughs> whether it's Search for Skinwalker, Expedition, Bigfoot, uh, you know, whatever it may be, uh, uh, the port lock, uh Adventure, you know, with that Alaskan Bigfoot series. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that, uh, I don't buy into it 100%. I think there's some dramatization, yeah. some storytelling, and some legit stuff going on. Okay. Yeah. So uh, for people out there who like to email periodically and say, hey, WJ, you drank the Kool-Aid. Believe me, I don't even like Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, so that's that's my uh, my feelings about that thing. But it's to be continued. And the LIDAR from last year over that Mesa, 
which was right near that spiral from uh, the Native Americans marking what they believe was a portal. Right. That looked like broken pottery spiraling up into the sky in the thousands of pieces. Right. And just like shrapnel. Yeah. And that's what the LIDAR picked up. There's nothing else around it, folks, in the LIDAR. And here is this spiraling tower coming up where uh, it's supposedly marked that there's a portal. And the LIDAR showed it like a, a thousand broken pie plates spinning up into the uh, into the air, up to what was it, Kev? A couple of hundred feet, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. So, so, so be- I, I know... I know I'm here to do cryptids in the news and other oddities, but I had to talk about the first episode of Skinwalker Ranch, the long-awaited first episode of the fourth season. Yeah, no, absolutely incredible. So Wild stuff. What do you got in the cryptids in the news, Kev? Dude, we're going to do some cool stuff here tonight. Okay. I know that shocks you. (laughs) Cool and creepy or just cool, Daddy-O? Cool and creepy. So, you know <laughs> you know about the Headless Horseman of Tarrytown, New York, right? Oh, yes. And we, I'm not, we're not doing him tonight, so I'm not trying to tease you with that. But I realized when I did this story and he came up in the story, I was like, oh, we do have to do a little Headless Horseman. <laughs> but you know about the Headless Horseman of Tarrytown? Of course... You know about one of the most famous Bigfoot sightings of all time in Whitehall, New York. Yes. Well, now we're going to talk about the Kinderhook creature. The Kinderhook creature? Kinderhook, not to be confused with your kindergarten teacher. <laughs> A kinder. Does it have to do with little children? It could do it. It, it has to do with a little creature. <laughs> so it's Kinderhook, which is named after a little town in Kinderhook, New York, which wow. is south of Albany on the east side of the Hudson River. Okay. So in the Hudson River Valley, as they call it, kind of like Tarrytown. Okay. And Whitehall, although Whitehall is further to the north. Are uh, the. Uh Residents still alive? <laughs> <laughs> so this guy, the Kinderhood creature, uh, the earliest written accounts go back to the Quincy Daily Journal in 1915. Wow, that's a good More wh- than 100 years ago. Yeah, that's a good while ago. Good while ago. And the article there describes a man who encountered the creature... While he was out hunting in the woods near Kinderhook, and according to the man, he saw a small, hairy creature darting through the trees. When he approached it, the creature stood up on its hind legs, revealed itself to be a humanoid figure, and the man, because he followed your advice, Bill, fired his gun several shots at the creature, but it got away. (laughs) <laughs> Bravo. Why wait? Pull a trigger. <laughs> you know, what do you think? If you think this could have been a juvenile big Bigfoot jumping around That's the definitely tree top? a theory. So, <clears throat> but now whenever they see this creature, because that's not the only sighting. Okay. Whenever they see it, <clears throat> excuse me, they describe it 
as being humanoid, about three or four feet tall, ah. and covered in hair or fur. Uh-huh. All right, so it could be that we're seeing the juvenile because the adults are smart enough to stay out of the picture, so to speak. Yeah, unless they have to get in the picture. Exactly. Or, or like if you believe what my friend Weasel up in uh, Alberta says, uh, he's uh, seen juveniles being put in what he calls a nest in trees. Oh, yeah. And he believes that the adults are putting them up there while they go hunt uh, so that the timber wolves can't get at the little rascals. So I can tell you this firsthand experience up in Alaska, Bill. Watching the brown bears, otherwise known as grizzlies, mm-hmm. they call them brown bears up there. Um, the mama brown bear putting the the little cubs up in a tree, and the guide we were with, he called it uh, cub daycare. Hmm. So the mama would put the little cubs up in a tree, and then she would go and look for food. Now she could see them. But she'd be hundreds of yards away from them. She could see them up in tree. So it was fast enough that she could get there if anything was going after them. Did you see her actually, like, shoe? Oh, yeah. So what did she do? She's, like, shooing them up the tree. So she bring them up by the base of this tree? No, she doesn't carry them up. She, you know, they're over by the tree, and she's, like, telling them in bear talk, like, you get your butt up that tree if you know what's good for you. Yeah. And she's giving them a little push with her nose. And they would just go up and then... Yeah, they just scurry up the tree and they know because, you know, she's going out to get some food. So they want to eat. Yeah, they know the routine. And they know mama. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not not unlike what you're saying. It's, you know, I mean, I'm not here to talk about bears. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. I mean, the guy that I was with who was super experienced, he was like, yeah, that's that's, uh, grizzly daycare. Wow, that is incredible. So, So, you know, same exact thing. Why couldn't it be across lines? You know what I mean? Oh, no doubt about it. So, Mm -hmm. by the way, so this creature, Kinderhook creature, we're talking about an article from 1915 in the Quincy Daily Journal, but they have reports of them being sighted in 1800s and, and more in the early 1900s and then continuing over the decades. In the same area, Kinderhook? Or? Same area, Kinderhook, New York. Look at that. Yep. Yeah, tell me that isn't uh, Bigfoot daycare going on. Exactly. And then there's a the, another guy, you may know this guy, Hayden Blackman, who wrote The Field Guide to North American Monsters. Mm-hmm. He describes a group of people who were camping near Kinderhook when they saw a small, hairy creature come out of the woods The creature stood up on its hind legs and walked toward them, but then ran away when they made loud noises at it. Ah. And uh, and then there's also reports about, you know, when they see it, they're able to see the footprints of the creature and, you know, that the footprints aren't, they don't look like bear footprints or... uh, you know, like cougar footprints or something like that. Yeah, so it came out probably on all fours, got up and like, you know, maybe as a youngster was like, yeah. hey, what are you guys doing? You know, but yeah, then... what are you doing over there? Then when they went kaboom, it said, whoa, maybe not a good idea. It took off, you know? Yep. Wow. See, and that's the fear factor with some of these uh, Bigfoot creatures 
if they have experienced some type of adverse behavior from human beings, that would, you know, maybe stay with them for a long time. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, but uh, three or four feet tall, if you were going to grow up to be, you know, eight or nine or ten feet tall, you're still just a little bugger, you know? Yeah. Wow, that is interesting. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, no, very good. Uh, now, anything uh, relative to larger creatures, or is always a uh, a smaller rendition? Always smaller. Hmm. Hmm. Always smaller. So you're talking over a period of time. Obviously, that it couldn't be the same one. No, but. The it sounds like the adults in the area, if they were in fact uh, Bigfoot, uh, were doing the same things with the same little ones on a regular basis. Yet they themselves were remaining uh, elusive. Now, look, other people may have seen a full-blown Bigfoot. We just don't have a record of it. Absolutely. Remember, we always talk about these things. Not we, being you and I. But the world tends to talk about them like there's one. But if you see one, there can't be one. Right, because one had to come from a couple of others. Exactly. <laughs> At the very least. I mean, unless you're seeing the last one, you know, which is unlikely. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, look, is there a possibility... Uh, uh, one little youngin was around because the mommy and daddy died. I guess so, but you know, not that's not reality to me. Yeah, you know, I'm sure those things happen in nature where a, a deer gets hit by a car and now the little one is wandering around by itself for a time. You know, but uh, that's certainly not uh, the law of averages works against you in that regard. <laughs> Unbelievable. The Kinderhook creature. Remember Chiller Theater, Kev? Oh, Chiller. And the hand would come up with five Cop. fingers? Six fingers. Oh, six fingers. That was it. <laughs> Chiller. Chiller. <laughs> Coming up out of like the quicksand. Yeah, mud. the old B-grade monster movies. <laughs> Four thirty movie, right? The creature feature. Yeah, I think that's what they called it. Yeah, that was there was two of them. Creature feature had that grotesque like variation of the creature of the Black Lagoon's oh, yeah, yeah. face would appear. Like they had like flashing lights and things. <laughs> and uh, Chilla Theater was just a six finger hand coming up and then sinking back down. Nice, good stuff, you know. Wow. All right. Well. Is that it for our little... Uh, that is it. What do you got? What do you got for us? Well, I have a fairly neat uh, encounter here. A brief, uh, but a, t- a telling sighting, nev- nonetheless, told to me by a fellow named Brandon Richards, uh, resident of the state of Colorado. And uh, this is what Brandon had to say. My friend Anthony and I had planned to spend five days backpacking and camping in the Grand Teton National Park. 
During the course of the first three days, we had been working our way into and through a variety of locations within the park. It was on the fourth day that we found ourselves sitting at a higher elevation, overlooking Lake Solitude below us in the valley. With the western slope of Grand Teton facing us in the distance. From our vantage point, which was considerable, both of the slopes descending down uh, to the lake were in view. They were sporadically covered with large swaths of pine trees. This was a vast panoramic view which I'm attempting to paint for the mind's eye so you can better understand what I'm speaking about. When you see something in the distance here, it is extremely difficult to judge just how far that distance is. Everything is much further away than it appears, a fact which becomes more than evident once you begin hiking towards what you are seeing. Yes, I can understand that, my friend. (laughs) We were perched on this low mountainside overlooking what I just described to you. Taking in the view, the two of us each carried a good (laughs) pair of field glasses, which we had not needed up until the moment Anthony's focus had fixated on something below us. He reached into his backpack for his binoculars and raised them to his eyes, not saying a word. As he began to look intently at what appeared to be a very specific location, he told me to grab my binoculars and focus in on what he was looking at. I said to Anthony, what do you see? He responded, just grab your glasses and look between those two groups of trees down there to the right. I did as he said and started to scan the area which he spoke of when suddenly I said, it's a damn Bigfoot. Anthony said to me, I know. I just wanted to hear what you would say to confirm what I was already thinking. There was no doubt about it. The two of us now had our lenses fixed clearly on a large black beast walking on two legs in and out of the trees on the slope well below us. The distance could have been at the very least a mile or more. However, with 20 by 50 binoculars, we had a good field of view, which included the Bigfoot and its activities. Now, it's not that I need to explain my somewhat instantaneous response of it being a Bigfoot, but it was painfully obvious what we were seeing. First of all, there is never anyone seen hiking or hunting in these parts, dressed from head to toe and black and wearing no shoes or boots. Secondly, there would be under no circumstances anyone in this area without a backpack and supplies just casually sauntering around in the wilderness. 
two good points, right? Right. Third, there is literally and figuratively nobody out here, especially where we were. In the three days prior, we had sighted a group of three individuals that were more than likely a half mile away from us coming off a ridge, and that was it as far as human contact is concerned. As we sat watching the Bigfoot walking through our lenses, so to speak, it suddenly stopped. As it was facing one of the pines, it began to do something with its arms extended. It was using its hands in a way which made it appear as though it was working or picking at the side of the tree. We watched him do this for well over a half an hour. Occasionally, we could see the beast crouch down or bend down to the ground, where it appeared to be picking something up that had fallen to the ground. The creature would then follow this action by putting its hand to its face or mouth. I don't need to tell you that at this distance, we couldn't see any details at all. After the creature had spent a considerable amount of time by the side of this tree, it started to move around, in and out of our field of view. It appeared to be looking at some other trees that were near to it. My recollection is that we had lost sight of it for about 45 minutes when it emerged from the trees and started walking along the slope heading away from us and toward Lake Solitude. Now, just to settle a score with those who think that people who see such a thing are suffering from some type of delusional disorder, this was like looking at a jet black Frankenstein walking in the middle of nowhere. Even at the distance from which we were watching, the creature walked with the long arm swings and the deliberate lengthy strides we all know of. These dramatic movements were more than obvious to the eye, but this thing was not putting on a show for anyone to see. We were more than a mile away watching it from an elevation of well over a thousand feet or more. It had no idea that it was being watched by anyone or anything. With all the various stories that the two of us and so many others have heard about these things through the years, this sighting had completely sealed the deal for Anthony and I. Bigfoot is, in fact, the real deal. What do you think of that, Kevin? Pretty wild. Certainly a rural place, Grand Teton National Park in uh, Wyoming there. And, of course, I love the name Lake Solitude. <coughs> yeah, now, again, straight shooter kind of guy pointing out the obvious. Nobody out here walking around in jet black. Nobody out here walking around in jet black with no shoes and no backpack or supplies. Now, are you certain about that, Bill? I mean, that seems like quite a claim. Like, why not? Well, <laughs> well, maybe not boots, but how about a pair of sandals? Oh, okay. Birkenstocks. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, a, a little sarcasm there on his part. Who knows what this thing was doing in the trees? <clears throat> but yeah. uh, obviously, at that kind of distance, even with a bead on it, with a decent pair of uh, uh, Stice uh, uh, binoculars or whatever you're using, Nikons, uh, it's going to be very difficult to figure out what's going on, you oh, know? yeah. But uh, just a long-distance sighting in a virtually clear slope other than for some patches of pines, as he called them. Wild. You know what that reminded me of, too, Kev, when I was just reading it? You remember that uh, video taken up in that glacier? Oh, yeah, in the distance. You could see the... Hiking down the glacier. Walking along the... uh, In the valley of the glacial Yeah, they were at an elevation, and the Bigfoot... Was really far away and down. Yeah, very below. similar. Where like in the middle of nowhere, who would be walking along with the furry suit on and no shoes? Right, not happening, not happening. And that thing was covering a lot of ground. And it, yeah, and it went up that really steep incline, as right. I recall as well. That's right, in like perfect stride, like it was walking down the sidewalk. Uh, a human being would not do that, you know. No. Just incredible, incredible strength. And uh, ability beyond, uh, you know, human uh, capabilities, you know. But I I really like this. I really like the simplicity of the sighting. Nothing extravagant. Just one guy picking up on something moving, getting a bead on it. And before he tells his friend, he says, fix your glasses down there. Tell me what you see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Incredible, huh? Wild stuff, Bill. So that's pretty cool, man. What do we got in our listener mail? Yeah, we got some great listener mail this week. Thanks, folks, for writing in. Chris from Missouri. Missouri leads us out. And Chris mentions that Missouri is home of Momo, Mm. our beloved Missouri monster. Momo. And the subject (laughs) is the Enfield Horror. Oh. And this one tricked me a little bit. He says, hey, WJ and KJ, have you ever heard the story of the Enfield Horror that occurred in the small town of southern Illinois back in the 70s? Hmm. See, so I, I've heard of, and I think we covered, the Enfield mystery from Enfield in the UK outside of London. Hmm. So when I first saw that, I was like, well, I did. But in fact, no, I didn't. So this happened... Small town in southern Illinois back in the 70s. And there was also a similar sighting in Mount Vernon, Illinois, back in the 1940s that they called the Mount Vernon Monster. Now, Mount Vernon is also in Missouri? Yep. Not the Mount Vernon you're thinking. Right, right. But Enfield and Mount Vernon are both in the same state. Same state. Okay. Illinois. Okay. And uh, this creature reportedly had three legs. Talk about freaky deaky. Yeah. And by the way, Chris, excellent use of freaky deaky. (laughs) And he says, didn't the creatures in H.G. Wells' War of the World have three legs? Anyway, I found this story online, and these incidents occurred just a few hours from where I live in eastern Missouri. Hmm. There seems to be no shortage of cryptid stories coming from Illinois these days, including Bigfoot and all of the Mothman encounters. Yeah. 
Yeah, not all of the encounters, but all of the modern encounters are around O'Hare. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And he says, keep up the great work, Chris from Mo, home of Bomo. Wow. Kev, you know, we're going to have to look into that uh, that story no around there. You know, that uh, it's worthy of a little investigation. No doubt about it. Yeah. But uh, interesting, huh? The Enfield Horror. Mm. Well, of course, we don't have time to get into it now. We haven't looked into it. Right. But uh, we'll have to investigate why it was called the horror. Something insidious must have happened. I have a feeling it was scary. Yeah. I mean, just a sighting, you wouldn't call it a horror. You know. No. Although I've seen some people walking in the ho- hospital that were horror, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Hi. How are you? It's a different issue, Bill. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that was a great email. And by the way, folks, easy to do. BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact button. If you've seen something, say something. Or if you just want to comment, chime in with us. We love it. So please do so. 100%. All right, bro. So what else you got? All right. And our next letter comes from Angela. And Angela is talking about the Chestnut Ridge, Pennsylvania, UFO slash Bigfoot incident of 1973. And she writes, hey, guys, obviously I love the podcast. What's not to love? Yeah. I like your Christian perspective on these paranormal. I have an idea for an upcoming segment. The Chestnut Ridge, Pennsylvania, UFO, Bigfoot incident of 1973. And Angela, (laughs) it's a good thing it's really easy to say. (laughs) Can you say that again, Kim? The Chestnut Ridge, Pennsylvania, UFO, Bigfoot incident of 1973. That's what I thought I heard. I think I'm going to get a tattooed on my arm. Hey, let me tell you about this. But she writes, I think it's interesting because it involves UFOs, that many reputable people saw, as well as a Bigfoot-type creature seen interacting with these UFOs. Uh Uh-huh. What do you make of the UFO-Bigfoot connection? Is there one? I've always thought of Bigfoot as a flesh-and-blood creature, a member of the primate family not discovered yet. These accounts give the topic a whole new slant, and, and I don't know what to make of it. What are your thoughts about Bigfoot and UFOs together? Some think this was just one more trick of Satan, as many paranormal entities seemingly are. I was always taught, if it's not God, then it's dot, dot, dot. Anyway, what do you think? Take a look. Chestnut Ridge, Pennsylvania, UFO, Bigfoot incident, in case you missed it the first time, in 1973. I think it would be a good topic for the podcast. Keep up the great work. Angela. Boy, that's a great email, Angela. And I have not heard of it. I'm definitely putting it on the list. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Angela, she may be relatively new to the podcast, Kev, because anybody who's been listening for a while mm-hmm. knows that I have made the distinction for myself that we have two things going on with Bigfoot And then, like, this UFO-Bigfoot connection or just the UFO connection. I think that other side is all demonic. I mean, I just, I think 
Angela, you're right. I think there's some type of uh, seduction or a, a dupe, if you will, going on by the enemy. And uh, he's trying to make us think in ways that we should not think about, like, where we come from, what's really going on here, all of the nonsense that we hear. So uh, there are definitely real living creatures, as you have said, and then there's something much more nefarious going on here, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. Yes. Wild my- stuff. And, and Angela, if you're, you know, if you haven't listened to a lot of our podcasts, I mean, there are uh, a couple of hundred of them. Um, we did cover a couple of uh, incidents where Bigfoot was interacting with UFOs. No doubt that one hair-raising one in Northern California. Yeah. Oh, my God. Being that thing up was... on the beam of light. Ah, uh, suspended in that cone yeah. below yeah. the craft coming over the lake. Love it. Wow. <laughs> and then how about that other one, Kev? What was that, Western Pennsylvania, where the guy was with his girlfriend on a quad and he had the uh, Led Zeppelin playing on a cassette recorder on his handlebars? Yeah, you yeah. remember that you one? You had me at Led Zeppelin playing on the cassette recorder. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that was – talk about freaky deaky. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyways. It's awesome, yeah. Bill. Awesome. And the other one, remember the guy? Remember the guys that went out mud riding on their quads uh, on that mountainside and they saw the Bigfoot go across the trail? And when they got up to where they believed it was heading, taking like the roundabout route, they found that guy standing there smoking a cigarette with his sneakers on. Yes, and no tracks anywhere in the snow. No tracks in the mud. Nothing. Didn't he have on like white sneakers and white pants or something weird? No no mud on his sneakers. (laughs) He was like a shapeshifter. Yeah, he he was smoking a cigarette and no smoke was coming off of it. Hey, you see that all the time, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, daddy o. Yo, daddy o. What you doing over here, brother? No, I don't need, <laughs> I don't need a lift. I got my own lift. <laughs> <clears throat> you best be moving along before you can't move along. All Copy? Right. All right. <laughs> Our last email, Bill, comes in from Allison. Uh-huh. And Allison's subject is Walking with Bigfoot song. <laughs> yeah. And she says, Hello, Adam Carpenter and the Upper Hand is a Northwoods country band based out of Marquette, Michigan. And we just released our new single, Walking with Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, she says, For believers and non-believers alike, Walking with Bigfoot can be described as a Primal, rugged, atmospheric ode to Sasquatch. Starting up with a drum rhythm straight out of the wild Huron Mountains, accompanied by a murky banjo roll and the ribbit of a clavinet. (laughs) Highlighted by an overdriven bass line, sure to warm even the thickest frontal lobe. Adam Carpenter and the upper hand channels the sonic energy of a raw and unforgiving shoreline of Lake Superior, north of the 45th parallel. We think that you and your listeners would appreciate this song as it was written about Adam's mother-in-law's Bigfoot experience. 
<laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, I haven't listened to the song yet, but, you know, I definitely have a picture of it with the uh, all of the description and metaphors there. Yeah, now, uh, kudos to these folks, Kev. What's the name of that band? It is Adam Carpenter and the Upper Hand. All right, and the song is called Walking with Bigfoot? You got it. So there you have it. Well, uh, hopefully some of our listeners will uh, uh, tune that in, and uh, maybe we'll get a couple of jive turkeys. <laughs> Email us about what they think of the song, you know? Go get it, man. Daddy with Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Walking with Bigfoot. Hold on now. You got it. Hey, let go of my hand, you big furry beast. <laughs> hey, hey, stop doing that! <laughs> ah! <laughs> Remember Joe Jitsu on the Dick Tracy Cats uh, cartoon? Oh, yeah. He was a little guy in like a trench coat with the hat, and he used to just grab a, a criminal by the wrist and just start flipping him back and forth. Hey, why not? <laughs> Dick Tracy calling Joe Jitsu. Come in, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> I love that stuff. Dick Tracy calling Heapo Calorie. Come in, Heap. <laughs> so stupid, but good. Well, is that it, my fine-feathered friend? Yes. Well, folks, remember, I don't know what that was. It sounded like somebody stepped on a squirrel. You called me a fine-feathered friend. (laughs) Now, listen, if you should find yourself hiking around the woods of Missouri, or perhaps... Grand Teton National Park. You better remember one thing, my friends. Always carry more gun than you think you're gonna need. Sleep tight.